Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast Q&A edition. Me, Gary McGowan, I'm a co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. This is, as I said, Q&A edition. So we're going to be doing a, a Q um, and then giving you the A. Um, and then the question this week is effectively, um, what is uh, or are there benefits to using momentum during exercises, specifically weight training exercises? And when we say momentum, we basically mean using some sort of kind of swinging or bodily movement, um, whether it be just moving the weight really fast or using other joints or muscles to move the weight. Is there something that's beneficial to that? Um, assuming the goal is, let's say, to uh, just build muscle. Okay, that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to build muscle. And this question actually came off the back of uh, a specific example related to the bent over barbell roll, which is an exercise that you will typically see people use a little bit more uh, body language um, to get going uh, and, and, and for good reason in some cases, for not good reasons in other cases. Um, classically in bodybuilding, you will have people using the bent over barbell row as a real kind of heavy exercise. And hence, as a result, there tends to be, you know, a bit, a bit more momentum used. They're using other joints, other muscles uh, to get the weight moving. Um, and basically the question is, is that a good thing? Or should someone be really strict trying to make sure that we're only moving the joints of interest and the muscles of interest and keeping things really controlled. So these, the, the answer to this is effectively context specific. And I think you can make the case in either direction, depending on the specific exercise that you're talking about. Okay. So when we talk about the, the bent over barbell row in particular, I think that's an interesting example because what you've got there is an exercise where at the bottom it's really, really easy. Okay. So if you're, let's say you're using a weight that you're able to move through the full range of motion. Um, no problem. Okay. The bottom is really easy. The hard at the top is much harder. Okay. And that's basically because at the bottom, your arm is straight and the weight is hanging directly under your shoulder. And hence there's basically no challenge on shoulder extension or on the lats in the bottom position. Um, it increases, um, as you pull up to the top position. Okay. So if we're talking purely about shoulder extension, which is the movement of moving your arm back effectively, there's basically no challenge at the bottom or effectively no challenge, very little challenge. And then it gets really, really large at the top. The challenge is much greater at the top. So as a result, if you're using that exercise, um, with real strict technique, you're using appropriate weights uh, for that strict technique with that strict tempo, then Yes, you are, you are using weights that are going to be appropriately challenging for your lats um, and your shoulder extensors, the rear delts, the Terry's major, etc. given the constraints of the exercise. But you might actually be missing out on some of the benefits that people get from the exercise when they use really heavy weights and use more momentum. Okay, And this is kind of the key point here, is that often when people uh, perform heavy barbell rows, they'll report that their spinal erectors get a really strong stimulus from that. And, you know, that this is how you build a big thick back. Um, and also their upper back will, you know, uh, have a great response to things like really heavy barbell rows. And there's actually, a, that, that comes down to a basic understanding of exercise mechanics. And it's basically the case that if you're using way heavier weights and more momentum, obviously your spinal erectors, which are the muscles that are responsible for extending your spine or keeping your back straight when you're in that position, they're going to be challenged to a much greater extent. And hence, we would expect that uh, they'd get greater hypertrophy if you're using more momentum and heavier weight. Um, because in the other context, your shoulder extensors or your lats, let's say, are the limiting factor. Okay. 
Similarly, if you think about the muscles around the scapula, so your traps um, and your rhomboids, those muscles that give the appearance of a kind of a thick upper back, uh, particularly between the shoulder blades, those muscles are responsible for moving, moving the scapulae or the overall shoulder girdle. So when you're, when you're in that bottom position and your arm is straight, you're getting a challenge there in into whether or not the arm is moving. So simply by virtue of the fact that you're holding the weight, you are being challenged in that position. And hence, again, if you're using heavier weights and more momentum, the overall load that you're using is greater and you get actually more of a challenge um, on the scapular muscles, especially as you're moving down to that bottom position. If someone's dropping the weight kind of faster, they have to catch it in a protracted position. Those muscles are being eccentrically loaded. So they're being loaded in in a stretch effectively uh, between the scapulae. And then as they get the weight moving again, they have to aggressively retract against really heavy load. So you can start to see why we might have divergent responses to this particular exercise, um, depending on the tempo that's used and hence the weight that is used. So for someone who is using this exercise, the bent over babel roll, strictly to try and train the lats or the shoulder extensors, let's say that's the primary goal, then I would say that for that, for solely that goal, uh, using a stricter technique is probably a good idea, Okay. Um, however, if you're thinking about the overall bigger picture of developing a, bi- a, a bigger back, um, especially if you're thinking about the spinal erectors and the scapular muscles, uh, the traps and the rhomboids, then you can certainly make the case there that using a bit of a heavier weight and using a bit more momentum, still having some control, that that might actually be a sound option. So what you can see there is that there are divergent responses. There are, there, there's context there to be considered to think about what the overall goal is. So this would then bring you to, you know, thinking about how, how that rates then to your overall training program, because, you know, a bent over barbell row might also, you know, it might, it might affect your ability to do something like a deadlift. So if, if the, if person one who was doing a strict barbell row for their lats, if they were also doing deadlifts, then we already know that they're getting the benefit of the spinal erector training and the scapular muscle training um, from their deadlifts already. So we can see how those two things are complementary. And person two, if they were to do really heavy barbell rows with a bit of momentum and they're using really heavy loads and deadlifts, that might actually be a bit too much for them. It might actually be the case that the lower back just becomes the limiting factor and then other muscles aren't able to contribute as well. Um, And it also might take away from the overall training that they might get for their lats. So context matters, guys. It always matters, okay? Now, the bent over barbell row is a particularly good example there because it kind of shows you, you know, that, that there are some differences there, but in other exercises, so it is harder to make is that using heavier loads on other exercises, such as squats, bench presses, overhead presses, um, it's hard to make the case that using heavier loads with more momentum, um, letting your technique break down, that that's a better idea on those exercises. So it's mainly the case that what you're running into in the case of a barbell row is basically a pretty poor resistance profile where you've basically got the challenge at the top where you are weakest. Um, and hence you're basically overcoming that by using a bit more momentum because you're swinging the weight into the shortened position or the position where the bar is closest to you. Okay. Um, but again, it's, it's not necessarily the case that you can extrapolate that out to all exercises because for example, in a barbell roll, when you get to the stretch position or the lengthened position where the arms are down in front of you, um, there's not that much risk associated with that position. So 
you know, you, your back is straight, your, your hips, your hip muscles are engaged, your arm is straight. Like the load that's being, that's going on the shoulder there is basically just pulling you into protraction. Like it's just not really a big deal. However, in something like a squat, if you come down and you slam into the bottom of a squat, um, you're massively increasing the forces on the knee. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it might be in some cases. Um, you're potentially causing the person to lose their positioning. So their hips might shoot back more. Um, the bar might change its position on your back. Your heels might raise up, et cetera. So there's more things that can potentially um, go wrong, kind of more moving parts there if you're coming down and slamming into the bottom of a squat. And it's not necessarily to say that that's inherently harmful, but it's hard to make the case that that's better for muscle building. You know, I think it's hard to say that dropping real fast into the bottom of a squat um, and letting your technique slip on the way up, that that's better for muscle building. Um, it, it's just, uh, th- there's not much of a reason to think that will be the case. And the si- similar thing for something like a bench press, like it's hard to make the case that slamming the bar off your chest um, and letting your, your your elbows kind of move around and move one shoulder more than the other and stuff, like it's hard to make the case that's again going to increase um, your muscle size. Uh, because again, in those cases, you're mainly looking at the same muscles uh, being trained regardless um, and not necessarily being better for one thing or the other. Whereas in the case of the barbell row, we can clearly see that there's some difference here um, in terms of the actual primary muscles trained, depending on the loads that you're using and the momentum or tempo that you're using. Um, So as a general rule of thumb, from my perspective, I like people who are just trying to build muscle to keep their technique strict in the vast majority of cases. I think there are exceptions and I think they can cause people to have unnecessary arguments at times. You know, it's like people have these arguments about whether or not, you know, heavy barbell rows are the best back exercise. Um, It just depends on the goal. Like if you're using, if you're trying to develop your lats, using a strict uh, chest supported row is almost certainly going to be a superior option to something like a a barbell row where you're just kind of swinging weights around. Uh, But again, it depends on the goal. So when you see people that kind of say that, oh, I've always done an exercise like this and look at my back, it's like you have to consider the overall context of the program, the muscles that are being trained, the goal, and, and what's giving someone a certain appearance. It's because in a bodybuilding context, sometimes I think if you're focused only on real strict technique and always trying to feel your lats, let's say, which some people do, you might actually be missing out on the fact that you're, there's far more muscles in the back than just your lats and that the erectors and the rhomboids and the traps, etc. that by training them effectively, you might actually have a more aesthetic back or a more pleasing back from a bodybuilding perspective. So, so yeah, it's, it just, um, it's just a case of context mattering really. Um, other than that, I don't think there's that many exceptions to the rule of saying, you know, stricter technique is probably a good idea most of the time. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to be completely neurotic all the time in terms of, you know, not letting your technique ever change. Like, I mean, if you're, tempo speeds up a little bit towards the end of a set that's not something i'm that concerned about it's like okay that's not that big a deal you know um if someone's uh if someone's bar bar speed if someone is lifting the bar off their chest and they use a bit of a bounce off the bottom position again that's not a big deal so we're not talking about you know it having to be a 3-1-3-1 tempo all of the time uh, but i think having your technique somewhat standardized so it makes things easier to measure and keeping things relatively controlled and on the target muscle is almost always a good idea because one of the things you do run into even in the case of if I was making the case that a barbell roll with a bit more momentum and less strict strict technique could be beneficial. One of the things you still do run into in that context is difficulty measuring progress. So where people do take it to the extreme and they're really using a lot of momentum, 
you have to still try and have some sort of rules in place to say, this is how I'm assessing my progress. Because if you start your uh, first rep at 45 degrees of hip flexion, let's say, so you're bent, you're bent over at 45 degrees and the bar starts three inches below, below your knees um, and you're kind of using a bit of momentum, but they're more or less consistent. But by the time you hit your last four reps, basically what ends up happening is you're now basically standing upright more or less and you're bringing the bar basically down to like a deadlift position at the bottom. And now it's just sort some sort of kind of deadlift shrug, shrug variation. It's That's not to say that that mightn't give you benefits, but it's just the case that it's hard to measure progress. It's hard to know, did I actually progress from 120 kilos to 180 kilos over six weeks? <laughs> or did I just completely change my technique along the way? So, so yeah, um, it's not just about the training outcomes or the risk that's associated with, with, with momentum or, or break breakdowns in technique. Um, it's also uh, about measuring progress, which is a really important consideration. So basically what you're saying is 99% of the time, it's probably a good idea to really focus on technique. However, there are some exemptions or exceptions even to that where, you know, having a bit of momentum probably enhances the exercise depending on the goal obviously yep. um, and it's more the case for let's say compound movements that are multi multi-muscle movements you know you might get a little bit of added benefit with a little bit of momentum however for more isolation style movements you're probably better off just being strict with your technique because surely you're you're trying to focus on a singular muscle in most cases with a more isolation technique however there is also that caveat where with an isolation technique and a bit of momentum or an isolation exercise and a bit of momentum, you're not really going to likely do a lot of damage. You know, you're not going to fuck your shit up doing some faster tempo momentum lateral raises. However, doing some faster tempo momentum bench presses or squats could potentially be injury inducing. Yeah, exactly. Potentially. And it is all a case of, of probabilities, you know? Um, and I think that that's important to keep in mind here is that because we say that there could potentially be an increase in risk of injury, if you're slamming down into the bottom of your squats every time and hardly thinking about your positioning, that doesn't mean that every person will, you know, and some people, you might look at someone in your gym and they're like, yeah, I've been squatting this way for years. No problems. Cool. No problem. Great. But I mean, that doesn't mean that you with a history of knee pain should slam down into the bottom of every repetition. If you're noticing that it's giving you, uh, it's basically making your knees be the limiting factor and not your actual quads. Um, so yeah, always remember that it is always a case of probabilities and that we're not necessarily saying that there's one way, best way that you need to perform every exercise again there are exceptions but the vast majority of the time i would say that that heuristic of staying in control of the weight and making sure you're moving it with the target muscles um, is almost always a good idea for muscle building okay that's kind of the key point as well is that i'm not saying you should do clean and jerks <laughs> with with control tempo you know it's a di- it's they're they're sporting activities they're they're different okay 100% Gary. It's always to say really. I have nothing else to add. I think it's like it's obviously hard for an individual listening to this to be like, hmm, well, is this an exercise that maybe I should use momentum on and is this okay to use it? Like I would probably just be use the sound heuristic of, you know, if in doubt, just don't. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a niche question because like I basically answered this off the back of 
you know, the the question specific to the barbell row. So if someone is seeing online in bodybuilding circles, an argument between people that are saying, um, no, you should do heavier, uh, more aggressive barbell rows, or someone else is saying, oh, no, you should do stricter rows. Um, that's the specific context that this kind of is born out of. Um, and that literally might never even be a question that you care about because you're thinking, why on earth would I be following uh, 250 pound bodybuilders. I literally just want to get in better shape. You know? So um, yeah, you don't need to sweat this stuff too much. Use the, the heuristic. And I mean, if you start doing some rows and you're like, Hey, you know, once I use a bit of a faster tempo feels better for me, feels, feels even better on my shoulder. Be my guest. You know, there are exceptions. So yeah, that's basically all we have to, to, to say for this podcast. Um, if you are interested in uh, coaching, if you're, I mean, learning to be a better coach uh, then we are launching the coach's corner in a couple of weeks and that will be a platform that is designed to uh, educate personal trainers try to put information into implementation basically try to take the theory and apply it in practice um, so for example in this discussion i brought up a number of points related to exercise mechanics you know that you that is a very kind of basic uh, level subject in terms of like analyzing exercises but basically what we did was we took it out and we said all right here's how it actually applies in context in terms of different goals in terms of different individuals um, and how it relates to things like tempo so it's really about integrating all that information together um, when you're answering these questions and that's what we want you to be able to do as a coach um, because it helps your decision making so they're the types of things we'll be going through in the coach's corner as well as case studies the application of um, anatomy and physiology and nutrition theory etc um, giving you different examples of how you could potentially program um, giving you uh, templates for your clients so that when a client signs up you have a starting point to work with all those sorts of things so if you're interested in that you can pre-register your interest below um, and you'll receive an exclusive discount um, by being on that wait list but you're not committing to anything you're just getting the discount so it's a it's a win-win uh, along with that, you can join the Triage Method community. That's our free open access Facebook group. We have lots of productive discussions in there. So if you have any questions, even if they're off the back of the podcast, you're like, hey, listen to this podcast. would love to hear more about this. Um, or have you written anything about this or whatever? The Triage Method community is a great place to be for that. And we also share a lot of content in there that doesn't actually reach uh, the front line of our social media. So that's a, a good place to have some more intimate um, engagement with triage um, additionally we do have a newsletter so you can subscribe to the triage method newsletter below and that's where you can find all of our content that we've produced throughout the week as well as um, some exclusive content that only goes to the newsletter and interesting content from around the internet such as podcasts audiobooks uh, regular books um, resources like research papers articles etc um, we share all that in, in the newsletter so that's worth checking out um, we do have coaching spaces available. If you're like, Hey, I'd like to get on the path. I'd like to improve my training planning. I'd like to, you know, get my nutrition in order. I want to lose a bit of weight. I want to gain a bit of muscle. I want to work through this knee pain I've been having and get back to training. They're all things that we cater to. So if you are interested in that, you can inquire below as well. Um, and other than that, guys, it's really a case of just supporting, you know, follow the YouTube, for example, keep up on YouTube. We do post additional content there. Um, you can subscribe to us, uh, subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review. And you can also just follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook and keep up with everything that we are doing. 100% Gary, I have nothing else to say. So uh, it's too easy. It literally is. <laughs>